0: Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mintz. Today we are recapping the last four games for the Kansas Jayhawks. I finally have uh, our basketball editor over at, at Rock Chalk Talks Fetch, back on the podcast tonight um, so we can go over these games. We will continue to be doing previews with you know each of the individual teams uh, or the people that, that cover those teams as those games come up. So definitely be looking forward for those. But I wanted to take the opportunity for us to go ahead and and actually get together about these games and kind of talk about what we've learned from them, because I haven't done much recapping. So now that I've completely blown past your introduction, how are you doing tonight, Fetch? Oh, you know, not too bad. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I had been doing better before the the craziness that happened today, for those of you guys that haven't been paying attention. We're actually recording this on the evening of uh, January 6th, when the electoral college uh, vote was supposed to be certified by Congress, and it was disrupted by what I can't describe as anything other than an, a attempt at a coup, <laughs> which I never thought I'd actually say that, and I never thought it would spill over to a sports podcast. But um, you know, it's 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 actually affected the sports world. There's been a, a basketball game uh, that ended up getting canceled because of it, um, and it's kind of just one of those things that it's important enough to kind of talk about. That you know, it's absolutely ridiculous that this kind of stuff is happening. Um, you know, I, again, I don't like to get political, you know, it is about and, and honestly, I think for everybody's sanity, it's going to be a good thing when the inauguration happens on January 20th. And we don't have to to worry about this kind of stuff anymore, at least hopefully. Thoughts about that before we get into sports, Fetch?
1: Well, I think, you know, probably anything that I'd have to say. uh <laughs> you know, I, whatever, I don't, I don't know that we need to alienate half the audience by my actual thoughts on on what happened today, but, um, I guess I'll echo what you say about, uh, you know, the thing that, uh, should, um, set America apart, or I guess, you know, any, uh, legitimate country apart from some other ones is, you know, peaceful transfer of, of power and all that good stuff. And, um, you just hope that the people who, tried to do this today get punished appropriately so that you know people don't think that they can do it in the future and, and i guess that my big worry is that they won't do that but uh, i've been wrong before and, and hopefully i'll be wrong again
0: yeah hope, hopefully that's the case again like i you know i don't like to get political and i don't think political belief should have any you know say on who you listen to or who you talk about in terms of talking about sports but it's also kind of one of those things unfortunately I think everybody, no matter what your politics are, can agree that what happened in the Capitol today was absolutely ridiculous and is not something that should be happening in a country like ours. So, um, all right. No more politics. I'm going to I'm going to you know, I I saw your attempts on Twitter to try to see if you could get away with using that as your random sports minute. (laughs) Um, So instead, I I know you've got something. Yeah, yeah, I know you've got something else planned for us. I, I think I have an idea of what it might be and we'll see if I'm right. But once we get there, but let's jump in. Um, I, don't, I don't really want to look at these games in sequential order or anything like that because a lot has happened in these games. Um, you know, just to, just to remind everybody which games we're talking about here, there's the, the Texas Tech win. Uh, I'm sorry, the win over Texas Tech um, in Lubbock, uh, a 58-57 win to open up conference play. Then the absolute shellacking of West Virginia, 79-65, to 4KU at home, their, their conference home opener. Um, then they got absolutely destroyed by Texas. This last weekend on Saturday, um, 84 to 59. And then the win that they had last night from when we're recording this, 93 to 64. So a lot of up and down, back and forth results for the Jayhawks. Um, I, we, we can talk about individual players. We can talk about a particular game if you want to. But what's what's the biggest, I guess, the biggest thing that you take away from this stretch of four games?
1: Yeah, well, I, I was kind of thinking of um, this during the kind of second half of the TCU game, um, because I had made a a mention in the preview about how, you know, David McCormick might do, you know, reasonably well, because he's got an actual, you know, big man to compete against and not all this, you know, stretch five and and not a ton of, you know, there was some pick and roll, obviously, but not like an overabundance of it. Um, And if you look at these last four games, I mean, the two games they played against um, a, a team with an actual, you know, big man, West Virginia and, and TCU. Um, I don't think it's really a coincidence that Kansas had their two best uh, offensive games of the season, you know, by far uh, against those two teams. Um, I think it just, you know, gives, I mean, I think it gives David McCormick um, a, a more concrete goal and, and a more, you know, concrete set of objectives that he wants to do. Um, I think they're able to, you um, attack and, and get into the paint a little bit more when guys can't, you know, obviously we saw in that Texas game, I mean, they're switching all five guys and they're, they're very long and athletic. And, you know, Kansas this year isn't very long and, and isn't super athletic. Um, although they are, you know, obviously very versatile and have a lot of guys that can can do things offensively. And I think, you know, when they play Texas again, I think, you know, Bill South will obviously have, have some answers for that. But um, for now, anyway, I, I just think the fact that they got to play um, an actual established big man, uh, very helpful for Kansas. I mean, if you're, if you're looking forward, you know, Iowa State has that kind of setup. Um, you know, I think, uh, well, I guess Tristan Clark is not playing for Baylor anymore, so they've got kind of, you know, one of these you know, little hybrid type things too, so that's going to be an issue. So if you're just, you know, planning forward, um, trying to predict how Kansas is going to do, I think that's a, a big step. And then I guess I do want to just um, quickly make a point to note that, uh, you know, yes, the Texas game was bad. Yes, they did not play well. Um, yes, you know, when Texas went on that little three-point barrage in the second half, Kansas really did seem like they kind of gave up, uh, which is disappointing. But um, I retweeted the thing. There's a, a site out there that, uh, you know, basically they, they take the quality of shots that Team A got and the quality of shots that Team B got and kind of um, calculates or, or spits out a number based on that, uh, you know, location and, and, you know, how open they were, et cetera, et cetera um it spits out a number of you know if you played that 100 times how many times they'd win um and actually notably uh, in in the Creighton game that Kansas won um by a point they said that Creighton should have won probably about you know 60 percent of those games um and that was the same thing with uh this Texas game they you know based on the number of shots they they got and and the quality and where they were and stuff like that they found that Kansas probably should have won that game 60 percent of the time which I I don't think it was really you know that lopsided but i do think you know in a in a normal game or the the you know based on how well these teams shoot um i think you know it should have been closer and, and maybe even kansas you know could have won the game you know had a, a few things been changed but um so i i think there's no need for the the sky to panic so those are kind of the two uh, or no need to panic that the sky's falling i guess i probably should say yeah. but uh yeah i mean i i think uh i think those are kind of the things that um, those are kind of the things that, uh, I take away from that, that stretch of four games.
0: Yeah. It's, it's also one of those things. I mean, kind of, kind of talking about McCormick, it seems like when, when he's expecting to do or to have to do a bunch to keep the team in the game that he can't really stand up to the pressure. And I don't know if that's a psyche thing for him or if it's actually a thing where he's being asked to do too much and is trying to do more than he actually is able to do, um, but, like, what I noticed in that game against Texas is that Texas did a really good job of defending Kansas from from the three-point line, which was something that we were concerned about, you know, in the in the preview that I did with Kyle Carpenter uh, over at Burn Orange Nation. Like, that was one of the things that he talked about, how good their three-point defense is. And so there was some concern, potentially, that Kansas wasn't going to be able to shoot as well, you know, from beyond the arc as they normally do. I don't think anybody expected it to be, to be that bad. And I think it was more of a combination of – Texas good defense and the guys just having a cold shooting night, um, you know, and, and unfortunately both of those kind of combined to make it so that the only offense that Kansas was getting at all was really what was inside for the most part, which put a lot of pressure on McCormick required him to do, I think a lot more than he should have had to do, or that he's comfortable doing at this point. And I mean, you know, you, you contrast that with the TCU game where, Everything was going for him, but they were also really hot from outside, which took a lot of pressure off of him. Um, you know, And kind of like you said, he had a very definitive matchup, kind of knew exactly what he needed to do, how to be successful in it, and was able to go ahead and do it. Um, you know, it, it. It just seems to me that part of McCormick's problem at this point is the mental game. It's not necessarily his physical ability. It's that he gets in his head too much and does things that don't allow him to be successful just mentally there. And so it's going to be important, I think, for Kansas to find ways to make sure that he doesn't get overwhelmed on the court, that he isn't trying to do too much all at once and suffering because of it. And, of course, you know, it's, it's extremely helpful that you don't go three of 23 or whatever that was. I, I think that was the right number there. Three, three of 23 against Texas from from three-point line. Like, that was just absolutely ridiculous. That cold. Um, you know, it's one of those things I do believe that if they had shot their normal, you know, if they had shot nine three-pointers – in that game like made 9 of them instead of making only 3 of them they would have been a lot closer in that game and i don't think it would have spiraled out of control the way that it did you know in that in that third quarter there or in that you know third 10 minutes of the game there right after halftime so so i mean kind of looking at these games in general you know was there was there one particular performance that really kind of jumped out to you that either was like a guy taking a huge step forward or a guy that you think now that we can, you know, this, this Kansas team can rely on moving forward to kind of be, you know, a guy that they can lean on in, in the stretch coming up.
1: Yeah. You know, a, a couple of guys, I mean, I, I really have liked what Ochaibaji has done lately, even in that Texas game where he certainly, um, you know, did not play super well. Um, Stayed aggressive, kept getting the shots. I don't think you know. I I mean, I I saw Jesse calling out a couple of his you know pull-up mid-range jumpers, which obviously are not great. But it's one of those things where you know they're they're going to the rim and getting blocked so much, and they're not really um, you know getting a a ton of open looks going to the rim just because of how long Texas is and how good they are at at you know rotating over and defending. So you know, not to not to sound like a an 80s you know old-school basketball guy, but sometimes that you know open 15-footer is a a better shot than, uh, you know, trying to float it over a a 7-footer type deal like they were doing. So um, I I did like how he stayed aggressive. Obviously, he came out and, and, you know, really played well in that TCU game. Um, Played really well in that West Virginia game as well and and played really well in that Texas Tech game too. So, um, you know, you're looking at at, at where he came from last year to where he is this year. I mean, just an incredible leap. I mean, he's shooting the ball a lot more, shooting it better. Uh, still playing really good defense i mean all all of the preseason ink about him uh seemingly has been true um obviously you know we're just talking about an eleven game sample but um i'm i'm ready to uh you know come in and and say that it's it's legit and that he's you know really that good and and that i was very incorrect um about him coming into this year i've been uh very impressed um the other guy i think maybe you know in terms of good stuff to point out um from, you know, I guess just the the TCU game only, really. But, you know, Tristan Nanaruna came out and and played really well. Um, Had a couple of decent minutes or uh, decent plays on defense. You know, he's not a – I don't think he's a great defensive player. I think he kind of gets beat off the dribble a few too many times and kind of struggles to handle the rotation sometimes. But um, still, you know, you can tell why Bill Self is high on him. You can tell why Bill Self – uh, keeps him in the game even after making some of these mistakes. I mean, he can he can get by guys. He can score uh, at the rim. Um, you know, two for three from from three in that TCU game, up to 33% for the year. Uh, it was noted when he came into the program last year that 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 jump shot probably needed some some reworking and, and stuff because it was a little slow. And I think you're seeing that this year, but. If he can get that, you know, even to the, the 33, 35% level um, with the things he can do off the dribble, um, you know, that that's uh, really encouraging and, and they're going to need it because I, I have not been very impressed with tying Grant Foster um, and, and who knows how long Bryce Thompson uh, is going to be out. And, and obviously, even when he's played uh, offensively, he hasn't really offered much. He's been, he's been a very good defender, I'm I'm very impressed with. Uh, how well Bryce has played defensively but but offensively, you know, they need someone to to pick up that slack and uh who knows, maybe it'll be Tristan Enaruna if he uh keeps it up. Yeah, I mean it's
0: the only thing that concerns me with Enaruna is that he seems to turn it over quite a bit more than I'm really comfortable with. And I don't know if it was just the TCU game as he got more run. Um was careless with the ball. I'm gonna be completely honest. I missed a good portion of the second half because it was late enough and I had enough stuff going on sure. in my personal life that I fell asleep. So, um, you know, and of course when they're up by 20 points, it's not really that uh, easy to to stay completely engaged <laughs> in a game that you don't necessarily have to be. So, um, but, you know, I, I'm just like, I'm looking at his stats. He he turned it over. Uh, like his turnover percentage, according to Bart Torvik was 34%, which is really high and a really bad number. Um, and not really something that you want to see going forward. I'm trying to see if, you know, if I can take a look at some of his other numbers. Like, I don't know that he's ever really been in a position to handle the ball or to to really kind of have it dumped into him as much um, in any of the prior games. But, you know, it, def- it definitely seems like that's probably not something that's sustainable if he's going to keep turning it over that much that yeah he'll get some run like his defense is going to have to be really good in order to to be that much of an issue on offense so um yes he can score yes he can do quite a bit but that's you know one of the things that gets a quick hook from from Bill self when he when he can afford to do it you know if he's not dealing with foul trouble is you turn the ball over a lot more than you really should and he's going to have problems with it. So, I don't know how sustainable it is for him to to really make a big push unless he can, not you know, unless that was an aberration and he really is not that much that that turnover prone. I'd have to look at a bigger sample size to be completely sure on that, but you know, it was definitely good to see him. The guy that really kind of surprised me and and I don't know that I should be surprised, but but to be honest, Dewan Harris like, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how he's been kind of the backup point guard, but for the most part, um you know, it's been Bryce Thompson that's been getting that behind Marcus Garrett. But with both of those guys unavailable in the TCU game, like, I don't know how much of that is TCU. I don't actually think very much of it is TCU because from what I've been able to see from TCU, you know, they have fairly good defensive guards, you know, and they have guys that can harass the ball handler a decent amount. But I saw Dewan Harris making a lot of good plays, a lot of good passes. You know, his his assist numbers were absolutely ridiculous for this game. You know, I mean, he had seven assists. He had a a 33% assist percentage, you know I mean? Like according, I'm not even, I'm not even a hundred percent sure what that percentage means um, there, but, but, you know, it, it, it jumps out as really good numbers for him, especially for a guy that hasn't gotten a ton of run so far this year. Um, It makes me feel a little bit better about the fact that, you know, don't know exactly when Garrett's going to be back. um, Don't know when Bryce Thompson's going to be back, but we definitely have a very capable ball handler who's going to get, a little bit more development in this stretch until we get those guys back full-time than he probably otherwise would have had, um, you know, and, and I don't think it's going to be as much of a drop-off as we were afraid that it might have been.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's been, uh, you know, obviously you, you watch him play. Uh, he moved the ball very well, uh, really good passer. I think, so this is maybe a, a dumb way to think about this as far as turnover rate. Um, because it's obviously a rate stat, so so when I say this, you're going to say, duh. But if you play, you know, 10 minutes in a game uh, and get one turnover, uh, that's, a, that's a huge ding to your uh, turnover rate. And I just think the fact that, you know, maybe you don't get into the rhythm, you know, sometimes turnovers are assigned weird, um, you know, obviously, it can be the other person's fault if they are not looking for a pass and you throw it out of bounds, that sort of thing. Um, I do wonder if maybe his turnover rate is a little bit over uh, overinflated. Um, you know, assist to turnover ratio is not as good of a um, not as good of a stat as assist rate to turnover rate, but it, you're looking at like a uh, you know almost a three to one assist to turnover ratio. Um, and it, you know, you look at the games where he's um, played more, he's played better. Now, obviously, duh, Bill Self is going to leave him in the game if he starts off playing well. But I do wonder if, you know, maybe those numbers are a little bit inflated because of uh, the fact that, you know, you get one turnover in a couple minutes, Bill Self yanks you, and then that, that's such a, a big ding to your, um, to your turnover rate. So, you know, I, I think you're right that he's, he's a better passer and better at taking care of the ball than the, the stats would indicate Um, hopefully he can, you know, keep shooting the ball from three. You know, he's obviously only taken four. He's made two of them. You know, probably nothing really to to note about that with such a small sample size. But I think that uh, teams are definitely going to give him um, that shot when available, especially after TCU really um, got out and and guarded him on the perimeter and he just, you know, tore him up. So um, I think after that, especially that's yet another um, point in favor of letting him shoot that three and and really trying to sag back and and pack into the lane. So uh, hopefully he can keep shooting that shot and and can keep making it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, I mean, I'm looking back at, I'm actually looking at his overall numbers for the year and it doesn't, it's definitely not as bad as I originally thought it was. Um, No, actually, sorry. I, I, yeah, it looks like it's up at like 30.5%. And again, I'm not sure exactly how that percentage is calculated um, or, um, yeah, cause it's, it's, there's no way that that's anything else other than the actual percentage there. So, um, it's also probably partly that I'm just not as familiar with Torbic, uh, as I am with, with Ken Palm, which I can't use right now for, um, I, I got to go renew my subscription there. So, but it's, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I'm wondering, I also think that as guys come back, like in Aruna is probably going to be one of the guys that gets the lion's share of the bench minutes if he keeps playing this well but as long as we have the full complement of players he's not going to be getting starter minutes um and so it's really just a matter of making sure you're using him when he's hot you know not using him as much when he's not um and you know i really do trust bill self to really know when to put him out there and how to kind of handle that we just saw a bigger run from him in this particular game just because of where the score was at and the fact that we didn't have a full complement of players so um Anything else that really jumps out to you from these four games? You know, I, I have some thoughts that I wanted to share, but first I want to get your, your, your thoughts on, is there anything about kind of the overall makeup of this team or how Bill Self is deploying the players this year that jumps out to you that was very evident in these, in these particular four games?
1: Well, one one thing maybe a little bit—I uh, don't know if worried is the right word—but but maybe starting to get a little bit worried about Christian Brown. Um, had a rough game in the in the Texas Tech game and another rough game in the in the Texas game. Um, it could just be an issue where you know, like like in and West Virginia, they're more you know traditional as far as you know, kind of which big man is going to be sliding over and and you know if you if you beat your man and, and get into the lane and stuff, but. Uh, guess that Texas game far too many times he was able to, I mean, obviously a good thing he was able to, to get into the lane, but, um, you know, we're just kind of try a weird shot or a, or a weird pass that got stolen and stuff like that. And, um, he's turning the ball over a, a little bit too much here in, in big 12 play. Um, and, and especially against the, you know, the best teams that they've played, um, he's really turning the ball over a lot. So maybe a little bit, again, worried is not the, the word, but, um, would like to see him, you know, stick to maybe uh, catching and shooting or, or, you know, one dribble threes type stuff more than trying to be more of a, a creator passer or that sort of thing. So I guess that's, that's really the only other thing that's kind of stood out to me. Um, after yeah, I mean, four mean,
0: I think that has to be more, though, that seems to me to be more of what we were talking about at the beginning of the year about how he was going to take on a different type of role. He was going to start to do more than, you know, he had done previously and how well he handled that load was going to kind of, kind of define his particular season you know i think that that's a part of his game that he's still developing um that kind of driving it reminds me actually a lot from what i've seen of what we used to you know i used to have kind of problems with with frank mason now i'm not saying he's like the same kind of player as frank mason but you know remember all the times that we used to complain about how frank mason would just go drive at people um even if he was clearly going to have his shot blocked and like you know, the first couple year or like the first year he started to really do that and really drive over and over and over again. Like it was bad. But finally, by the end of, you know, of his junior year and in his senior year, he had gotten to the point where he had done it often enough that he could start reading and getting around guys and doing things like that. I think we're just seeing the growing pains of Brown trying to add that dimension to his game. Um, yeah, it kind of sucks <laughs> to have to go through that. And and when you don't have a team that elsewhere can do everything um, you know, to kind of cover over that and make it just fine. Um, you know, it's going to stand out a little bit more. I don't know that I'm worried about it yet at this point. There are definitely certain teams where maybe that could be a problem, especially if they keep going to it. But the one thing that I've noticed that Bill Self is doing this year, you know, is that they are, they he has gotten, it almost seems like he's gotten stubborn where he's getting people, and maybe this isn't a new trait, but it just seems to be accentuated more this year because of how weird the year is and kind of where they're at with the guys that they have. Um, But like, you know, with with his insistence on keeping McCormick out there, sometimes it works really well, sometimes it doesn't. But it seems like McCormick gets a lot of run in a lot of games where he's struggling, almost in a way to try to get him out of it. He's done a lot of similar sorts of things with guys like Brown to try to get them to develop a certain aspect of their game that is probably going to be useful come the end of the year, but isn't going to really help us, isn't going to look really good right now at this point, so. All right. Um, So I do want to go ahead and turn uh, to do just a brief look ahead. Like I said, we are going to have actual previews um, with, you know, the people that actually covered the the teams coming up. But my thought is kind of moving forward, we're probably going to go now that we're fully in basketball season to doing two or three episodes a week. One of those is going to be, you know, kind of us um, recapping the last week and then kind of doing a, a, a high level overview of what we're expecting from the week to come. So I want to go ahead and do that with you fetch with the Oklahoma and Oklahoma state games coming up. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the rock Chalk podcast and we're back. All right. So um, kind of looking ahead to the next two games, you know, on Saturday we have, we have Oklahoma uh, coming to town, coming to Lawrence here to go ahead and play the Jayhawks. Um, you know, depending on, on where you look, um, you know they're they're roughly in the mid 40s on Torvik, um, I believe they're they're in the low in the mid 50s or so in Ken Palm. I mean, so so they are they are a decent team. Um, I don't know though that I would expect them to give Kansas a lot of trouble though. But what are your general impressions of this Oklahoma team? Are you are you worried at all about this game, or is there something specific about this team that you think um, could be a problem for the Jayhawks?
1: Yeah, we'll see. They uh, they play Baylor uh, tonight. Actually, today Wednesday. Well, today's Wednesday, right? Isn't it? Yes, it is. Man, what a what a uh, year this week has been. Um, <laughs> exactly. So they uh, yeah, they're actually uh, they're playing Baylor right now. It looks like they're down by nine uh, about midway through the first half. Um, yeah, they're. I mean, they're kind of an interesting team. They got a couple really good guys, um, Austin Reeves. Uh, Wichita state transfer, um, played last year and, and was pretty good, uh, taking another little step forward, not a very good shooter these last couple of years, which is weird because he shot like, uh, you know, 43, 44% in his two years at Wichita and then 26% from three last year and, and 26% from three this year. So, uh, kind of interesting that he's kind of gone, uh, you know, very downhill on that while improving everything else in his game, but, um, drawing more fouls than anyone uh in the conference which is interesting um really high assist rate you know um really athletic player um since he's white i have to note that he's deceptively athletic that's uh contractually complicated but um you know he's a really good player obviously brady manic who um i can't believe is still somehow he seems like he both just got to oklahoma and has also been there for like 40 years i don't really know how but um, he's having another, you know, Brady Manic-type season where, you know, very good catch-and-shoot guy, um, over 40% from three, uh, probably going to be, you know, 38%, 39% for his career by the time it's over. Um, not not a ton else, you know, maybe a guy you can take advantage of defensively. But, um, yeah, those are kind of the the two, you know, main guys um, for the team, the two guys that Kansas is going to have to watch out for. But uh, one interesting thing I think maybe to note is uh, very good two point defense. Um, in, in some of this is probably you know schedule. They played a lot of you know crappy teams, um, as well as Texas Tech and, and West Virginia in Big Twelve play, and then now Baylor. So um, what a start for them, right? Texas Tech, West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas. That's not really how you want to start out uh, Big Twelve play. But um, really good two point defense, and, and but just allowing a ton uh, a ton of three pointers. So um, hopefully there's a you know free the three effort going on on, on, uh, um, Saturday and, and hopefully, you know, I think that's the way to beat them um, is to, you know, get in the jump shooting competition with them uh, own the glass when you, when you miss and, and try to limit them to one and done and uh, you know, just, just take a bunch of threes. That's for me anyway, the, the way that they're going to beat them.
0: Yeah. Don't, don't forget that Oklahoma actually opened up the conference season by beating TCU um, on the road. 82 to 78 back on December 6th, (laughs) their second game of the year um, was a, was a conference game, but yeah, I mean, you know, it seems like in conference, at least they've only been playing really close games, obviously by the time this Baylor game is done, um, that may not actually be true anymore, but it seems like this is a team that can do a lot of different things. Okay. Or, or maybe good, but doesn't do anything really well. Um, And that's really kind of what jumps out to me from them. You know, it's like even when you're you know, you're talking about how good their their two point defense has been. Um, but I don't think it's been like phenomenally so where, you know, that you have to like worry about their ability to go ahead and and shut you down. Um, you know, I I do think a lot of like while they're only allowing forty two point two percent of twos, they're also allowing thirty nine point six percent of threes. Like they are really giving up threes. And while that's not that's not necessarily um predictive just because you know um three point made percentage is somewhat independent of of opponent we've we've actually had that discussion before um i do think that they have a problem covering people that are shooting from the three which should play into kansas hands here a lot kind of like you were talking about so you definitely do want to shoot the three against them as much as you possibly can i don't think they have very good perimeter defenders for the most part um not saying that they couldn't step up and surprising people on, on particular nights, but over the course of the season, I think it's going to kind of bear out that they're not, they're not this really, they're just really not that great defenders on the outside um, because they just don't have the guards that can really stand up to it. I do think that they're going to have some issues going through the rest of the season, but we'll kind of get, um, you know, I actually have, have, have a guest coming on to preview this, um, this game, it, that that episode will be up Friday. So you guys will be able to listen to that. Um, but you know, this is one that I, I'm not necessarily too worried about it, but I, I also don't think this is one kind of like in any game in the Big 12 this year. You can't really overlook it too much because, like you said, they do have a guy in Brady Manick who could potentially go off, and, you know, he's he's kind of in the vein of a, a Perry Ellis slash, you know, Phil Forte, <laughs> like the guys that feel like they've been here forever, even though they're seniors at this point and haven't really been here a super long time, although his will get stretched because – you know, if he decides to come back, he theoretically can because of the way that all of this is setting up with all the eligibility because of COVID. So, um, you know, it may actually be true that he'll be the guy, you know, that's here for for six years or so just because of what he's been able to do. But all right. Um, moving on, then, I, I don't really have any other thoughts about Oklahoma, but anything else you want to say about them before we move on to Oklahoma State?
1: No, let's let's move on.
0: All right, let's do it. So Oklahoma State is the the next opponent for Kansas Um, after that. Coming up, we actually travel to Stillwater on January 12th um, for that particular game. Um, You know, it'll be interesting, I think, in that particular game. um, You know, Cade Cunningham, the big name there for Oklahoma State. This Oklahoma State team has been struggling this year, though. Uh, Seemed to have dropped quite a few games that they probably shouldn't have dropped. I mean, they dropped the game to TCU, 77-76, to start the year at home. Um, you know, they, that was their, their conference opener. The only game that they've won in conference so far is a overtime game against Texas Tech. Um, that honestly, like, if you look at that game, I don't know that they really should have won that game, but they were able to pull it out. And they should have won the next game against West Virginia and blew a hugely late um, you know, they actually pulled a West Virginia and giving up a gigantic lead to allow West Virginia to come all the way back to win that one. That was right after Oscar Shebway you know, they found out that he wasn't coming back the rest of the year. Um, so that, I mean, that's, that's a little concerning. I think if you're an Oklahoma State fan, overall thoughts on this Oklahoma State team, though, anything that Kansas needs to specifically watch out for in that particular matchup? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I do wonder if if maybe Mike Boynton uh you know might be and, and I don't know that anything with COVID and stuff who knows and they obviously have their their postseason dance is probably safe for this year but I do wonder if you know maybe we're looking at the last couple seasons of him as a as a uh, Oklahoma State head coach because they have too much you know talent to to be doing what they're doing um but yeah when when it comes to to Oklahoma State it it starts and ends with Cade Cunningham um you know I'm a I'm a uh, Minnesota Timberwolves fan, and uh, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that they that they get him. Now they have to, they have to finish in the top three in the lottery to keep their pick. Otherwise, it goes to Golden State in the uh, Wiggins trade. Uh, so I'm hoping for them to lose all the time. Um, anyway, speaking of speaking of Wiggins, that's actually uh, Cunningham second, uh, Ken Palm comp. So um, kind of interesting. Um, he's a little bit different player. I mean, I don't think that that's you know, a a great comp for him in terms of like a a draft prospect type thing. But um, he can do it all. I mean, he's he's a good passer, um, good ball handler, good shooter. Um, He's actually one of the few uh, recruits that I remember watching in high school and thinking, you know, holy crap, that guy's good. So um, he's definitely someone to uh, watch out for. Um, But, you know, not a ton else. For that Oklahoma State team, um, I I actually peeked in on that game against West Virginia uh, on Monday, and and it, Oklahoma State was up by like you know eighteen or nineteen at that point, and and kind of watched a couple possessions and uh, turned it off because I thought you know what's the point? And it looks like I missed uh, quite the comeback. But um, yeah, they just they just haven't really put it together. They they don't really do anything special. They don't shoot a ton of threes. They don't make a ton of threes. So. Um, obviously that's, that's huge for Kansas. I mean, I, I think that one of the big ways to score on, on KU is by shooting some threes and, and opening things up and, and forcing David McCormick to, to guard in space, uh, which he doesn't do very well, and, and I don't think Oklahoma State's going to make him do that. Um, but, yeah, if they, can, if they can shut down Cade, uh, I think they'll win. So that's uh, very, um, very basic to say, You make sure, make sure you shut down the guy that's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. But um, I think that that's, uh, that's just what it is with this team. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a little surprising because
0: coming out of last year, you felt like they had some pieces and adding Cade Cunningham to this team was going to kind of be the big piece that they needed to tie it all together. And while Cade Cunningham has been good, he hasn't been absolutely phenomenal, like a lot of people expected him to. And I think that has more to do with just the fact that the rest of the, you know, squad around him hasn't coalesced the way that I expected them to likely, like he's got some good statistics. If you're looking at his like individual player page, but it just hasn't come together. It's been very spotty. Um, You know, he, he compiles good statistics, but when he disappears, he like completely disappears. They stop going to him. They stop getting him to, you know, do anything positive on the floor that he had been doing. And so it makes me wonder what's going on, what's going on with team chemistry. If there's something else going on, you know, I, I I've heard a bunch about how, however, that, uh, that Oklahoma state is actually appealing right now. The, um, the, the one year postseason man that they have and because of COVID delays and everything that's going on, that appeal is likely to still be going on when we get to the selection and, you know, into in the postseason. So there is a very good chance. They'll actually be eligible for the postseason this year. And that if that punishment gets upheld, it will actually be next year. So they are actually still playing for a tournament berth at this point, um, just because of the way that the, you know, enforcement process plays out. We'll see if they're actually able to capitalize on it, but the way that they're going right now, I have a hard time imagining that they're actually going to go ahead and be able to uh, secure an NCAA tournament berth because they are not playing anywhere near as good, I think, as they need to, to be able to get that at this point. They're going to drop a lot more games than they probably should. Um, you know if they don't get it turned around pretty quickly here. So they will play Kansas State this weekend. Uh, we'll see if they can get a lot of positive momentum out of that. I think that they probably are going to win that game rather handily. The question is going to be whether they can take anything from that and project it forward um into that Kansas game, you know, but you were talking about you know Oklahoma having a pretty rough stretch, you know, at the beginning of the the Big 12 conference. I think that's kind of generally been the way it is for everybody in the Big 12 conference because as we're all well aware, there are a lot of really good teams in the conference here. So um, it's hard to go a stretch of more than two or three games without actually running into a stretch of two or three games. That's just going to be an absolute murderer's row for you um, wh- when you're part of this conference. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what they're able to do. But any other final thoughts about these other two games coming up or, or anything you want to see from the Jayhawks in these two games to, to kind of make you feel better about uh- where you're at?
1: No, I mean, I I think just kind of, you know, continue with what they're doing. And and I think uh, continue to shoot a lot of threes um, because I think that that's kind of a a big key to opening up their offense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at these next three games for the Jayhawks. You know, it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and then Iowa State. Those are games that you should win, and you probably should win those rather handily. You just need to make sure, you know, that you're continuing to work on what you need to and getting guys the confidence they need to kind of go into that next, you know, playing Baylor uh on the 18th the the first big monday game for the jayhawks you know out on the road um down in waco against baylor should be a really good game uh you know they need to have an opportunity in that game and in order to do that they have to really kind of get things rolling so all right um let's go ahead and finish this up for the night then obviously I, we've kept we've everybody in suspense long enough what is your random sports minute for the day
1: Yeah, so the uh, 2021 World Junior Hockey Championship uh, just concluded last night with the uh, United States uh, taking down uh, pretty heavily favored Canada. uh, Coming into the game, Canada uh, hadn't uh, trailed at all and and hadn't even gotten to a a tie after, you know, 0-0. So basically after they went up 1-0 in a game, uh, the team never even tied it up. Um, so, uh, really impressive effort by the U.S. last night. Um, they did it all in a bubble in uh, Edmonton. Um, they did have some some positives early. Um, Sweden had to uh, have some guys leave a, a little bit um, prior to the tournament, and uh, Germany had like nine guys uh, miss a couple of games, including against Canada, which obviously resulted in a, uh, a pretty hilarious uh, sixteen to two result uh which it would have been pretty close to that anyway but um yeah the u.s uh played played very well um a lot of a lot of guys playing for uh various college hockey teams and actually one kind of interesting little thing so the uh, mvp of the tournament was this kid named trevor zegris who's from new york and um attended uh boston college or uh, excuse me boston university oh i'm gonna get killed for for doing that um and, and there's a tweet that that circulated during the game where some guy like 10 years ago so when this kid was you know 11 or 12 uh well even younger than that like 10 um was at some you know midget hockey tournament or whatever in Vancouver some guy was saying man this Trevor Zegras kid is really good he's probably gonna you know end up being in the NHL someday or something like that and and sure enough he he definitely is going to be so um it was uh kind of a fun night i mean it's you know obviously it's a bunch of you know teenagers playing hockey so how important could it really be but uh, always fun to watch the u.s and canada playing hockey given how dominant can- uh, canada is um and uh, yeah this is the u.s's fifth uh title they beat canada in four of those uh title games and uh including their last four uh, or excuse me the last four times they played them in the gold medal game uh they beaten them
0: yeah, I was going to say, I saw that news actually come through, and I just knew that that was going to be the random sports minute for this week. So uh, I wasn't surprised oh, <laughs> at all. <laughs>
1: one, 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 one final, I mean, I suppose I should mention uh, the University of North Dakota, the greatest college hockey program of all time, uh, two gold medalists, uh, Jake Sanderson, originally from Whitefish, Montana, and Tyler Cleveland, uh, who was a, a late uh, addition because of uh, someone else had COVID. Uh, From Fargo, North Dakota, the second, I believe, ever uh, North Dakotan to make the uh, World Junior roster.
0: Nice. Yep, that I would not have guessed. And that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe to the podcast and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can leave us a rating and a review as well, five stars and nice comments would be absolutely great. But if you can't do that for whatever reason, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, If you want to try to interview anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcastgmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. You can also get your voice on the show. Do that by going to anchor.fm slash rock chalk podcast slash message. Leave us a voicemail. I promise we'll get it on the show for you. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we will catch you next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.